Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid, subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is a treat in time to be here today. We have with us Derek Loudermilk. Derek, how are you there, brother? Chris, good to be here. It is such a pleasure to have you here. For those tuning in to Derek for the first time, we have an extreme biologist in there. We also have a quantum business coach and we have a podcaster. Check out the Derek Loudermilk show. But we also have a time traveler. So I guess my first question, Derek, is going to be, has this podcast already happened and is it amazing? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you got it. (laughs) <laughs> all your shows are amazing <laughs> so i wanted to sort of start there because uh oh I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to, to put my hand up and there's uh like there was a skeptic in me which goes time travel like i don't really understand what's going on there so where did quantum business coaching i get it extreme biologist i want to know more <laughs> Your podcast is dope, but the time traveling piece has me a bit like, huh? Is it? So tell me a little bit about where did time traveling drop in for you and what do you mean by that? Yeah. So uh, according to physics and according mm-hmm. to various uh, channeled information, channeled texts, uh, we have a pretty good idea that we perceive time linearly here on earth in three dimensions, but that that's not the absolute reality that um 
in higher dimensions, you can sort of perceive all points of time <clears throat> simultaneously. Mm. And so um, really we're viewing time from a particular perspective. And so my, my foray into this was actually like, well, what would it be like to have ex to, to experience time just from a different perspective that allowed me to either perceive uh, different points in time or to experience, you know, speeding up or slowing down time. Hmm. Uh, and this, and this comes from what a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, which is, I, I don't feel like I have enough time. <laughs> uh, I have kids and I'm trying to, you know, run a business and do these other things. I can totally relate to that statement, but I have to admit, I never took that statement and said, okay, maybe I can, uh, yes, yeah, manipulate the 3D by jumping in dimension to try and work with, okay, go on, so tell us more. Yeah, so really it's just a productivity hack. You know? <laughs> Getting into dimensional is a productivity hack. All right, tell me more. And so, uh, so, so I was thinking about, you know, okay, when, when early people started to keep track of time, yeah. uh, it was to have some sort of control or dominion over it to, to allow them to have precision in their schedules or precision when they're talking about their experiences. Um, and so these early megalithic structures like Stonehenge or the pyramids, um, they're precisely oriented in space and uh, they're also used as clocks to keep track of time. So mm -hmm. you're you're essentially establishing space space time for yourself as a construct, which then allows you to have experiences within space and time. <clears throat> um, it's kind of like part of being here on Earth. Is it's is like this? We all agree that time is going to move at this type of flow, um, but we know from you know relativity that changes as soon as you go into space or as soon as you move faster or slower um yeah the um one of my favorite uh no i can't even say it's one of my favorites probably my favorite oh it's up there with the matrix interstellar <laughs> is mm. just like i love that movie like it's just incredible because it helps um <clears throat> i guess visually represent some of the the more nebulous understandings around gravity, time, space, how, yeah, just, you know, we, they ended up in different planets which had greater gravitational pulls and they aged, um, you know, one year for them was like 10 years back in the spaceship for the other people, you know, and then you start to realize that, you know, it's, it's a real dance and it is, time can be relative, um, which I found really interestingly unpacked um, in that movie. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's incredible to consider that time is relative. One of the things that I find also, you're saying, I think you're alluding to it now is the consensus time. Like we sort of, we, we develop time as a, sorry, I'm obviously researching your work, um, that there's a consensus that we went, okay, so, you know, this is 12, this is one, and then we're all going to sort of meet at one and meet at two and there was a necessity for that or is that just something that like can you tell us a little bit about consensus time and then please sorry i interrupted what you were yeah well there's time. also a theory that i'm working with is uh that perhaps gravity and consensus uh collective consensus may be linked uh which is to say there's a gravity to uh what we agree is reality collectively and that so they've they've shown that astronauts doing 
psychic experiments mm. uh, have greater success when they mm. leave Earth. So there's this like uh, relationship with these superhuman abilities that once you get outside of the gravitational sphere of the collective consciousness seem to be enhanced. So it's almost like there's a, <clears throat> you know, and it's like you, you've experienced this if, you know, 10 people tell you you can't do something. And, and then, and then you're like, oh, well, maybe I can't do it. And it's, like, it starts to affect your it becomes beliefs. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's probably more evidence out there that I, that I can start piecing together, but that's, that's an interesting concept. Um, and so it was like, if you're adept at ignoring what people are trying to any narrative or belief structure that someone is trying to impose on you, then you have perhaps a lot more freedom both in time but also in abilities uh ability to make things happen uh in a way as well so the query that emerges from me and i'm probably playing devil's advocate for the skeptic listener here um is but we are 3d beings right so as much as like time and gravity um because what i'm what i'm hearing in the subtext of what we're discussing is that potentially a lot of our relationship with time our perspective on the way the world is even structured is socially collectively informed um, and then reinforced and enhanced. And then, you know, we, we live into that paradigm and then that obviously, you know, builds in beliefs, limiting beliefs, supporting beliefs, empowering beliefs, we develop structures, mental models based on, you know, the this, this soup that we swim in, um, social soup that we swim in. <laughs> Let's call it that. Um, now, but then, like, I, I can feel that there's almost like a, would it be the case, I guess the question goes, would it be the case that if we didn't have that social structure that potentially, yeah, what would our relationship with time look like and what would you know, our relationship with some of these things look like? Wouldn't we still not be 3D beings bound to time? Like, um, Well, you could still, I think it's possible to still have social structures and uh have mm, a society that they would operate with a different view of time i think i think the relationships could be the same but I, that's that's kind of uh too hard for me to really grasp uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what that would what that would be like um but so maybe i'll just tell you a little bit about these how i how i started playing with this yeah and how you is, time travel yeah. that'd be great <laughs> Um, can people try this it's, yeah it's, it's it's actually really really easy so like the first step is just like get rid of the get rid of the influence of time by stopping paying attention to the to the clocks um, ah, so, so everybody's everybody's carrying a phone around them and yep. their watches and everything watches mm. came into popularity um <clears throat> It was wrist wish watches came into popularity during World War One when it was like pilots started wearing them because they needed to coordinate military maneuvers. Yeah. yeah, and so they had to synchronize that. Um, and and then it was sort of like ladies' fashion started wearing watches in in the in the twenties roughly. But then sort of pocket watches were around maybe for fifty years before that. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't it wasn't really a thing. People really started synchronizing time during these these wars um so it's almost it, almost time precision is linked with the military industrial complex which, how much would you like to be uh intertwined with that mm. but 
If you can extricate yourself from checking your watch, then... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, your experience is sort of free and, and floating there. And... If you, if you uh, start from your experience, which is I have enough time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it to my next appointment on time, I'm going to complete what I need to on time, or I'm going to be in the right place at the right time, and you sort of start from embodying that, uh, what I've noticed is that, so I did this with, you know, picking my kids up from school on time without looking at my clock, or making sure that I'm home in time for dinner, but still fitting in a two hour workout at the gym hmm. when I have theoretically, you know, only an hour to do it. Um, and various other, you know, and, and so I started pushing the limits of like, okay, can I go all day and be on time all day without ever looking at a clock? And hmm. what I've noticed is that I'm actually more on time than people who presumably are looking at their clocks. How did you verify that? And then did you have more or less anxiety without the clock? Because sometimes I know when I'm like looking at the clock trying to go like, okay, I got to be there at one and it's like 1230 and I'm going to smash out all these emails. And it's like, yeah. uh, And And that's what's, that's what's keeping you uh, (laughs) right. That's what's keeping you feeling like uh, on the back foot, right? Because time is master over you in a way. And I just wanted to experience uh, sort of dominion over my own. And just that freedom. So there was less anxiety. And so how did you, sorry, please. There is anxiety that comes up because you have to remind yourself, like I had to remind myself to, to trust and have faith. And, uh, and if I was late, you know, it was going to like, whatever, I'd be late and apologize, but it never happened. That's incredible. So how did you know that you weren't late? Cause uh, you didn't, you still didn't check the clock when you got to where you were going. You were just, you met, met, went to your appointment and you just happened. Well, to so here's the example with picking up my kids from school. Yeah. Uh, they let the kids out at, you know, whatever, three 30, yeah. but the kids have to walk because we were doing outside pickups. So the kids had to walk out from their classroom and you pick them up sort of yeah. on the corner and some parents arrive early and wait in their cars uh, for the kids to come out. So they're not on time. And some parents arrive late because the kids are already out there and then they pull up. And so the kids are waiting for them. But for me, when I tried it, it was like, we both walked out and met at the exact same point. So maybe it was like three thirty-two or, you know, three twenty-nine. Yeah, but it was just right. that we both arrived together at the right time. 
Because I find, um, I do find, for me, sometimes it happens with sleep. Like I will forget to set an alarm and then I, like my body wakes me up at like just the right time for me to engage mm. with exactly what I need to. And I'm like, uh, like I don't normally get up at, you know, let's just say I'm doing a podcast with someone in the US. <laughs> so yeah. I normally get up at 5 a.m. and like, how did my body just wake up at 5 a.m.? And it's like, it, it does buzz me out a little bit when that happens. So you're saying, do you think it's an innate intelligence or relationship that we have with time? Or is it, you mentioned the word perspective. Is it just that the consensus time is actually more illusionary than we think? Like what's, what would you call it? Well, I've noticed that, that um, so if you have thoughts and emotional states that are really dense in 3d like anxiety or despair or fear or, or whatever it might be it's mm. it's nearly impossible so you kind of have to have a, an elevated perspective which is like joy gratitude peace and like bliss essentially to be able to uh, move into a perspective where that's available can you explain that further so moving into something like gratitude let's take gratitude as an example yeah. So you need to be yeah, in gratitude um, for yourself to be able to harness the power of just being okay with the way time is moving. Sorry, can you explain that? A um, so there's um, something called the Dawkins scale of consciousness, which sort of yeah. uh, places on a frequency map, you know, yep. different power uh, versus force emotions. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it's much easier to access this, experience mm. of control over time from the higher levels, uh, oh. which include those emotions. Right. So when you're in the more stuck sort of emotions, you're more likely to be driven by time. But when you're in more elevated emotions, you feel more flow, ease, surrender around time and you're more likely to have these more. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. it's a, it's a wellspring, a sp like a, a perspective that provides a wellspring of like, Synchronicity, flow, surrender is like really a big one I can feel calling in there. I guess one of the questions that that leads me into is, oh, there's two, but I think I'll take the big one first is you've done a lot of traveling, mate. Like you've been a nomad. <laughs> you've been to uh, like how many you like over 45 countries. You've lived in 15 different countries and you, your conversation about living is um yeah, I thought it was really interesting the way you described living. It was like I only really consider myself having lived in a country if I know my local grocery store attendant and then they know me, right? Mm, so yeah. that takes a minute to develop that relationship. It's not just like you've been there for like two days and you consider yourself live there. But um, I guess the low-hanging fruit is you've travelled quite a bit. Um, two ways I could ask this question, but the first one is, You've traveled and you've had a lot of, I think, is it like a, you did this, you did this questing for like a hundred, um, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, like a hundred different, uh, like not existential experiences, but do you know what I mean? Like you went questing. Do you know what I'm referring to in this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Word? Yeah. I'm kind of in the middle of this quest. Yeah. Um, can you tell us I, a little bit about this? Yeah. But I often operate, uh, in the framework of a quest, which is sort of a, mythical story type you know way of living it's like, it's like the hero's journey but mm -hmm. it gives you a clear framework for exploration mm -hmm. so you know pilgrimage is a type of quest you know i had a quest to go to every 
US state, there's 50 states before I turned 30. So it kind of is like, oh, I could go back again to a place that I love, or it kind of forces me to go to a new place that I might not have considered. Mm -hmm. um, and so it gives just a little framework for exploring. And I'm in the middle of a quest to do a hundred different metaphysical experiments. And there what I mean by that, <laughs> what I mean by that is um, like healing modalities, um, uh, different spiritual teachings that have practices that you can learn mm. uh, just, just to place myself in that experience. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be as simple as uh, when I'm traveling and there's a shaman and I go get a healing and that's it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or it could turn into a daily practice that stays with me for years, as is the case with um, practicing dream time and lucid dreaming and also recently chanting and, um, you know, various other practices and techniques. And some of it's very physical, like you're manipulating the physical body to create a state change, which, you know, influences your, your consciousness, your emotions in some way. And some of it's much more out there, right? You're mm. going away from your physical self in a sense. Can you tell us about, cause that was going to be one of my questions. What is like, what was one of the ones that you've had so far? I know you're in the middle of this quest that was like, just surprised you in terms of how out there you got because your background is like i know you're quite well grounded in biology and science so like you know going on these 100 metaphysical que like quests um yeah like what's one example of something where you're just like uh where have i ended up what am i doing here yeah so i mean so sometimes i like to have the experience first and then research it afterwards and sometimes mm -hmm. i research it, you know, read a lot of scientific literature and then think, oh, that would be a good thing to go and, and try. Right. Um, I mean, for sure, psychedelics, uh, you, there's no way to know what it's like until you try ayahuasca or psilocybin or something. Um, but, but recently, let me tell you this story because this is really impactful for me recently. Hmm. My grandfather is uh, what I would say like very conservative Christian um, and I, he always wanted me to, you know, read the Bible and go to church with him. And I never really connected with his approach, but I always wanted to connect with him and mm. his love for Jesus. And I've, you know, come to understand Jesus as a pretty amazing person that probably knew a lot of these metaphysical techniques. Mm. Um, but I was searching for a way I was like, how can I take what I know now about spirituality and metaphysics and and bridge this disconnect that I felt with him for many years. Mm. And so I thought, ah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to channel an angel uh, and I'm going to like find some way to like access uh, angelic consciousness and get a message for my grandfather that will help him like feel more connected to me. So I did this like two weeks ago mm. um, and I, um, this is a, this is the thing I'm learning is right. How to, how to channel, which is basically brainwave state dependent. Okay. You, you just get yourself into a theta state. Theta? Okay, cool. Yep. Um, which, which can be done through like a guided audio, um, yep. at home for, for anybody really, or it can be practiced mm -hmm. with, you know, brainwave training techniques. Uh, and so, and it's, um, you know what some people would consider to be astral traveling where you, where you sort of project your consciousness out and can go exploring anywhere 
in the universe or remote viewing maybe is uh, another term. But essentially I, uh, I was flying around the solar system in my imagination mm-hmm. and I went to the sun and there is an angel, Archangel Raphael mm. in, in the sun. He was like living in the middle of the sun. Right. And I was like, do you have a, a message for me that I can use for this objective that I'm trying to connect with my grandfather? And it was like a very clear image of my grandfather walking across water like Jesus. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. Um, and it was, it was like, um, he wasn't actually walking across water. There was these columns of stone that he was standing on, but they were just below the surface of the water. Mm. Um, so, um, and then every time he took a step, a new column of stone would sort of rise up to, to meet him. Up here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it wasn't there before he decided to take the next step mm-hmm. and he was met it, sort of like his faith was met by support, mm. you know? And so I told him this, I said, Hey, listen, I got a message from an archangel for you. And he was like, well, all right. It's clearly skeptical. So you actually called him up in the physical and called him up. So this so I called him up in your imagination. So I him up. Like you took yourself on this experiment to the sun and you met the angel. You had mm-hmm. the vision. You downloaded that as a message and okay, cool. And then you called up your granddad. So yeah. it could have gone like I was preparing for him to be like, I don't buy into that. Nobody can talk to angels. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, because because usually it's like his way, or, or, or the highway. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah, I had this vision of you walking across water, and um, you know, I just wanted to to share it with you. Does that mean anything to you? And he's like, well, I don't know. And um, he's like, let me tell you the story of when Jesus walked on water. I was like, okay, I don't really know the story. Um, the story of Jesus walking on water is he was on shore doing something, and the rest of the disciples went on a boat. And then he was like, Oh, let me catch up with you. And he just like went out instead of having them row back to shore. He just walked out to them on the boat. But Peter hopped into the water and was walking out to meet Jesus. And he was walking on the water too. And I didn't know this, that Peter also walked on the water and uh, Jesus was like, Oh, this is like, great. You know, you're walking on water too. Like we're all in this together. And Peter was like, Ooh, uh, I'm not you. I'm not as incredible as you are. And then his faith went away from him. He started second guessing himself and he sunk. And so Jesus pulled him, pulled him out and was like, don't worry, I got you. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And so in the vision, my grandfather was walking on the water. He was already doing it. And he was like, I don't, I don't see myself as like Peter or Jesus. And I was like, but this vision is telling you that you already have the faith that there's something that you've mm-hmm. been doing, which has allowed you to progress to this point where you're already out there in the water. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he, he was like, wow, I really, you know, I'm going to, you know, he's, you know, 90, 95 or whatever. He's like, okay, I'm going to go pray about that. But it was to me, whether or not anything happens from that, the fact mm-hmm. that he is open to that and was like willing to let it land for him. Uh, it just, yeah. Well, following all the way back, me. the thread back to your original intention as well, which was to like connect <laughs> right? With you. Yeah. and then you guys are connecting through the power of this vision that you've had. Um, and then been able to bring it to him and he's been able to absorb it. And then you guys have been able to unpack it together. You're connecting, right? So 
that's actually quite profound in and of itself, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it worked out exactly how I was hoping, I think. <laughs> uh, just, a, just a very roundabout way of doing it, right? I could have just yeah. sat down with them too. <laughs> yeah, incredible. <laughs> what is, um, thank you for sharing that. What is one of the things in your quest for these 100 different metaphysical experiments all over the world, what's one that's... Um, was just the most, I don't know, this is a weird question, but like, what was the most obvious, which was just like, I have to try that and it's going to be amazing and it has been amazing. Like, which one was just like the no-brainer? Uh, that I tried and was amazing. Uh, well, something that came surprisingly easily, mm. which was super exciting, was um, I... Uh, had a, had a woman on my show and we became friends and she works with animals, mm. uh, animal communication. She works with Olympic, uh, horse athletes and animals in movies. So mm. she can communicate with animals and get them to act in a movie set the way that she oh, wants wow. to, for example, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. she can also diagnose them. She can read, read them and sort of fully diagnose their medical problems mm. in a way that she's, hundred percent accurate, like mm. confirmed by vet veterinary doctors. Um, mm. and the hospitals will bring her in to do these diagnoses for their, you know, million dollar horses when they can't figure out yeah, wow. their conventional means. And so she's, she's really amazing at what she does. You know, people fly her around the world to get her support. To, yeah. Yeah. And she was like, I can teach you telepathy in five minutes. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine, do it. Please. And so yeah. we, we, uh, we just hopped on a, on an Instagram live and she just took me through this pretty simple guided meditation, which is kind of just about opening up your senses mm. in a way. And, uh, then she was like, okay, here's a horse. You know, she put a picture up of the horse and she was like, what's wrong with it? What's, what's your diagnosis? She's like, I know this horse. I've already worked with it. I know the complete medical history. She's like, you just tell me what's wrong with it. And I would go through and I was like, I think he has a pinched nerve in his neck and his left hoof is feeling awkward. And he's, uh, he really, this one really likes competing. He likes the crowds, he, you know, he's very gregarious. And, uh, and I was like 99% accurate. Whoa. First try through. And I was like, so really it was just in the, in the method of her getting me into that state Yeah, and, and just sort of, also, she was like, okay, what about other parts of his body? Like, can you look here? And so I would look there. Okay, interesting. And she would try to trick me too. She was like, does he, does he get headaches? And I was like, no. She's like, you're right. Okay, good. <laughs> and she would, she would do like negative controls as well to make yeah. sure I wasn't picking up on. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So telepathy was accessible so a big part of what i'm hearing in the in the subcurrent to a lot of this is yeah limiting beliefs and being able to challenge the structure of beliefs that um yeah that are imposed on us i guess the question that i have to ask you today is as a time traveler <laughs> as someone that's invested in biology someone that has a an incredible podcast um, and then someone that's focused on quantum business coaching, I think, and someone that's traveled so widely, I guess there is the low hanging fruit question of what does time well spent alive here on earth mean to you? What does time well spent mean to you? Yeah. And I, 
am always trying to optimize that. And for me, it means um, having a lot of a lot of novelty. You know that novelty. the quests uh, is a great facilitate for that. that. Yeah, but also um, in in relationship with other people, you know, whatever activity you're doing, <laughs> if you're getting to the edge of how you express yourself how you understand how you feel and and there's like there's a cutting edge for how how willing you are to speak what's real for you mm. um or or how willing you are to try to understand someone else um so there's like physical novelty i'm going to try a new physical activity like surfing or, or um, archery or whatever it might be mm. uh but then the novelty within relationship with other people um whether it's like we're dancing and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's physical and uh, relational together, right? Like we're going to dance together and that, that makes me feel exhilarated and really uncomfortable because my body doesn't know what to do. Mm. So there's like, there's so much, but I'm always moving towards places where I am a beginner mm-hmm. to, to sort of re-experience that, what it's like to um, be off balance, to be, uh, having brand new neural pathways being formed. And it's also very gratifying for me to, to get good, to see improvement. Because when you're a beginner, you know, if you do something for a month, like you're going to see- The leaps are quite, the leaks are quite drastic. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great for me too. I love that. But it's, it's also, I find, it's interesting to hear you put it that way because I do wonder sometimes, like, because coaching a lot of different people, I think people have a very different propensity for, amongst different individuals um, for, the beginner mindset like some people are very willing to like yep i can't wait to suck at something new because you know it just means like i'm going to get really good really fast you know um whereas some people are much more like oh i don't really want to try that because when i'm going to try it i'm going to not be very good at it and then i don't like not being very good at things and they're not willing to go through that not being very good at something phase to get good at something even though logic would tell you that everything you are good at, you would have been not good at at some point, right? Um, yeah, do you, do you find that with, with your coaching and the people you work with as well, that different people have different propensities for novelty, which you've described? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I would expect a, you know, standard curve of, of how people uh, approach that naturally, but there's also, um, you can shift that if, if you want to be better at acquiring skills, if you want mm. to, to, to learn more quickly, which is in and of itself a, a sort of a meta skill, which enables, like if you're good at learning, then mm-hmm. it opens up, right? As the world changes, as you shift careers, right? You might as well learn stuff really fast because then you'll be more valuable and be able to contribute more mm-hmm. if you need to. Um, but so one of the keys to learning fast is to uh, really embrace what it feels like to be uh, in that type of beginner discomfort, which is to say, like, make it, make an association for yourself where you feel really good when you're not feeling good. Uh, that is to say, you like have, you're getting a reward for it rather than like, oh, it's just uncomfortable, which Mm -hmm. I think probably people just want to avoid the discomfort of it. But if you can supersede that with a, with a reward, uh, by understanding how that's getting you closer to something, uh, then I think that's one little sort of hack for that. Can you tell us more about that specific hack? Because I think I can also um, draw parallels to 
when I was researching your work, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, let's say we were traveling from one city to another and now I'm sort of going back to like the time traveling conversation. It was like, you know, you've got an eight hour drive, but you can sort of assume the state of what it's like for when you're arriving in a certain place and time will like fold in on itself quicker because you're more attached to what it feels like to be arriving rather than what it feels like to be on this arduous journey. And I heard something similar in there. It's like, you know, tune into the state of how it feels of actually accomplishing um, being a novice and actually feel like rewarding yourself positively for that because it's actually it feels really good to be cracking open new little things along this journey. Um, yeah, can we talk a little bit about state and why that is, like what is your relationship with state and is that a real fundamental piece for you or is it just I've just picked a couple of synchronous moments and uh, just pair them no, together. That's, uh, you've done your research. I feel like that's something I haven't really talked about much is the like trying to get there faster, just kind of warp yourself there by being there already in your state, um, which I've had limited success with, but other people I know have do, do it all the time. And it's like right. something that I would love to, to harness better. But um, yeah, when I was, uh, when I was a, racing bikes one of my mentors we were you know riding up this mountain and you know at at the limit right your your blood is boiling and your focus is narrowing and there's you can only perceive just a little bit of the road in front of you and he's like get used to this get used to this discomfort because this is when the difference in the races are made between when you will win and when you'll get dropped and you'll be at the back so <laughs> if you can maintain your uh, ability to make good decisions and like stick with your race plan. Mm. Like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Mike Tyson. <laughs> if you can yeah. deal well when you're getting punched in the face, right? If you can, if you can maintain your your internal state, yeah. uh, then you have a great chance of success. And I and I really uh, took that to heart. So I would always, uh, when I was practicing, and this I was quite young, just, uh, mm. just out of college. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to spend as much time getting used to this as I can. And it, it worked. It, it was unbelievable. It was like, and it was almost a cue for me. I was like, oh, I feel that terrible feeling of mm. near exhaustion. This mm. means I'm about to win. And I would go and I was like, this is the time to attack. And I would go and I would win, right. win the race. And I was like, oh, it's, it works so well. It's amazing. Yeah, incredible. So is that more of a, is it more mental or is it more emotional? Is it physical? Is it a combination of all the above? What is the state like that? Because you're referring to state and state for me could be like posture. Um, it can be sort of how I feel inside. It can also be like you described. It's like, oh, like the mental thought process of, oh man, this is getting hard. And it's like, great, I'm going to win. Or, or this is getting hard. Let's back off and let's take it easier. That's a thought process. Like what, like, is it a combination of all the above? What, what is state? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, um, imagine there's something you want to achieve mm. and, uh, let's say you want to get on your first podcast, right? So maybe, or mm. you start a podcast or whatever it is, um, for the listener that has some dream and, um, when you're when you finally do that thing when you finally get there and you're uh you make it to the red carpet or whatever um there's all these things there's like how you're standing how you're feeling what are your thoughts um what you know what are the emotions running through you like who's around you all of these things which it's kind of like you can you can imagine a movie right see yourself 
in the future doing these things and having that experience. Um, so if you can get really clear on all those things, how you're going to feel and the state you'll be in when you finally get the thing you wanted, uh, then you can just bring it into the now, right? You can bring all of those aspects. You can start dressing like that person. You can have the mannerisms. You can feel the confidence, whatever it is, and just bring it into the now. And of course it drifts away because like we have the patterns of being how we are. Mm. But if you can continually like reinforce that, that, ingrain it. Yeah. yeah. Then it enables you to do things like acquire the habits you need or to go seek the opportunities that will lead eventually to the thing. So it, it kind of helps you with the doing things if you're already operating from that state where you've, where you've gotten what you want. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, um, that is a, yeah, you've just lifted the lid on <laughs> basically an incredible way to manifest um, futures there for sure. Um, yeah. And I find personally when I'm coaching others into that space, I find gratitude is like a massive hack in there, like being grateful for it. Like it's already happened because some people go, I can't picture what that's even going to be like in the future, let alone try and suck it back into the now. And it's like, well, just imagine that you're, it's happened and you're already grateful that it's happened. It's like, oh, my God, I can be grateful that this is already my reality. I don't have to think about what it looks like. I can just be grateful for it. And it's like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm grateful. And then the, it starts to unravel and we come back to, I think, that Dawkins scale that you were referring to before um, with power versus force and it becomes really potent. So I guess the next question has to be, quantum business coaching so there is so much in the background to coming from science exploring spirituality um yeah working with time time well spent what is the uh, what's at the heart of quantum business coaching and why did this call you into how did this become the Derek Loudermilk offering how did um yeah why why business coaching why is it so important how did this come to be tell us a little bit more mate yeah, I see entrepreneurship, uh, and I've just been fascinated with entrepreneurship, um, just as a way of like bringing in into the world something you're excited about. Mm. Um, so for a while, I was uh, working on inventing products uh, or different. You know, I've had a dozen different businesses, and partly just to learn, you know, how how does something go from an idea to a physical reality, right? How do we like mm. make something that's nebulous dense into a physical thing? Yeah. Um, so an organization, a movement, uh, whatever it might be. Totally alchemical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the sort of the main theme of quantum business coaching is uh, working from infinite possibility, mm. uh, which is to say you don't have to climb the ladder of success or the right opportunities can come along and you can quickly bring about whatever it is in the world. And so there's a lot of things that get in the way of working from infinite possibility, which are, you know, belief structures or access to resources or, or whatever, whatever that might be. So a lot of the coaching is around like getting rid of those hurdles, those barriers into working from infinite possibility. And then once you get to a place where you can work from infinite possibility uh, using tools and techniques that I've learned from my metaphysical experiments to to really facilitate that process so whether that's uh with lucid dreaming or sort of group manifestation or um 
using crystals to, to assist with that process. And yeah, just using a lot of different tools. Once mm. you're, once you're operating from a framework of, uh, anything is possible, then you can start to use tools to facilitate that. Mm. And then, so that helps us craft a vision that is a vision that is most uh, that is inspiring us. So here we're defining success on our own terms. And then we're also going out on a journey of harnessing, I guess, the metaphysical approaches to sort of actually draw and manifest things into our reality. Um, and is that the at the heart of the quantum business coaching experience? Or then do we go away and also like, oh, is there some nuts and bolts of putting your business together? Or is it more about actually manifesting um, your real life through that quantum quantum state? Yeah, so in in this coaching method that I've developed, yeah. um, there's the the metaphysical aspect is one part of it. Mm. Um, the you know I want everyone to feel there's a, there's this book that came out a long time ago, which is like the first business book I ever read called The Personal MBA, mm. which was great. It was like here's everything you need to know about business. Mm. So an aspect of my coaching is the Thought Leaders MBA, which is I work a lot with coaches and healers and spiritual teachers. So, um, and, and people that are changing the world by bringing in new ideas and, and healing the world and things mm-hmm. like that. So, um, you know, I want them to feel completely competent in any aspect of business, whether it's creating an offer or selling it or, um, you know, the, the whole, the whole cycle of producing something and getting it out there and shipping and learning mm. from it. And, and, you know, this, then creating the next version or whatever it might be, or building mm. a team, you know, hiring people, dealing with uncomfortable, uh, conflict within your team, whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's so many sub skills in business. Um, so business metaphysics adventure from all my travels and how to, how to, uh, think like an adventurer, right. And to move towards risk, move towards discomfort and train mm. yourself to, to be like an adventurer. And then also from my days as a cyclist, bringing in peak performance, uh, just really taking care of your body like you would as a pro athlete to just really, if you can optimize your physical state and health and mental state and health, then it makes all these other endeavors much easier. So those are the four main aspects of, uh, of the work I do. I love it. And, uh, do you think like you mentioned health there, do you think that's probably, I find, and I'm just wanting to see what, what your thoughts spaces that are like, that's probably for business owners, one of the most neglected sort of spaces, um, or what out of the, out of the four that you're talking about, these different pillars of metaphysical, the health, like, what do you find is usually. I know you probably... Well, that's the fastest way to put the brakes on doing what you're doing. Like if, mm-hmm. if something comes up, right. And, uh, I mean, anybody's gotten sick and had to cancel something, right. It's like mm. whatever it might be, but if you're, um, let's say someone tells you something you don't really like hearing, but it's maybe valuable feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in a strong place, right. If you have maintained your personal power to a degree, Mm. then you can use that feedback positively. But if you're in a off balance or weakened state, or you depleted yourself by worrying or, um, just by, you know, not getting enough sunlight or water or hugs or whatever it might be Mm. right. Then that comes a place where 
you can get into a spiral and it drops the anchor and you spend days sorting yourself out of this, this mm. uh, abyss. So um, really it's about like just stopping all the leaks, all the places mm -hmm. where you're leaking um, your energy. Uh, and so then you can just like, when all these, of course, cause everyone's life is full of unknowns. Mm -hmm. When these unknowns come at you, they just can, can roll off you and you can stay in a state of peace if you have enough of this personal power because you haven't been losing it. Yeah, I've heard you talk about personal power and leaks before. Can you tell us a little bit more what you mean by, like, like I think you described a little bit there. It's like you have a trigger and then you don't, like, you, you, you don't just, yeah, can you describe what a leak looks like in terms of power and personal power? Because I think it was really, you described it, you describe it really uh, practically. Um, yeah. yeah, this this could be something uh, like mm, self-doubt. Mm -hmm. could, could be, you know, and you just get into doubting yourself, even though there might be good evidence that you're actually capable. You know, mm -hmm. this could be um, undervaluing yourself in some way. Or it could be getting caught up in politics or, you know, whatever is going on that you feel worried about. There's a lot of that going around, right? And so if you uh, dip too much into that, hmm. then you open yourself up to get to get sucked into that. And um, you know, we just had a friend stop by earlier today, and she was like, "I spent two months, and I and I like woke up and finally realized that I had been too far down this rabbit hole, and I was depressed, <laughs> and I was just like done. It was like the worst it's ever been because she hmm. there was some Thing that she really cared about mm -hmm. and it um but it wasn't going her way uh, mm. in our politics here in the u.s and so she she just um she lost a lot of her personal power by something that she was barely able to influence you know mm. yeah i love that and yeah one of the things that's been really present for me recently is um so maybe this comes down to parenting and maybe you can test, but um, the the distance between a friend of mine, she put it like this, the distance between um, trigger and reaction in that response, that space for response is my power. And uh, yeah, exactly how you just described it then, you know, I, I loved it because it's, you know, you've been sitting on something for longer than you've needed to and you haven't consciously chosen you know, um, a response and, you know, you've, you've just been sort of reacting and then in hindsight, you can look back and go, I was sucked up by something, you know, it was like, what was I sucked up into? Or, you know, it's not even like a person or an entity or anything. It's just, you know, you just were not in your power to make conscious, um, robust decisions. There's a phrase that just popped into my head, which is, mm. uh, learning how to respond in ways you prefer to things that you don't prefer, which is like when situations uh, arise that have the opportunity to, to knock you off your game, mm. um, you respond from a place of how you, you hope you would. Mm. Yeah, that, uh, for me, that, that is what the shiny fruit of resilience looks like. I feel like resilience is on this new, it's very um, attractive these days. And for me, that's kind of what I feel like what you've just described is what resilience is, right? It's like when you get knocked and you don't sort of recoil, it's like, well, 
I would sort of like to take that even with grace and respond with grace, but that takes some inner fortitude, some resources, some resourcing, right? Yeah. When you see it done well, and people are heroes, right? When they can, uh, when you see it, when you, especially when you see someone publicly, like mm. deal with it. Like um, I'm thinking in particular right now of, of Joe Rogan, when he was like publicly apologizing for when people were trying to cancel him. Right. And I was like, you could see his process mm. unfolding in the public eye. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's quite the process. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Um, so Derek, before I let you go, I've got a question. I love asking this question. Your vision for the future, for tomorrow, inspired evolution, what does an inspired evolution mean to you? Mm. Yeah, there's, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what, so the premise, uh, a couple of premises that I'll start with here, which is um, we can't solve problems at the same level of consciousness they are created, mm. which is which is an Einstein mis, misquote, but a concept. Mm. Um, so so then um, looking around and seeing problems and then being like, okay, these arose because of the level we're at, right? Mm -hmm. War only arises out of people who go to war, right? Um, and so uh, what would it what would it have to be like? for these things not to arise, for, for greed, corporate greed to no longer exist or environmental exploitation to no longer exist? What would it have to be like for us collectively to be operating in a place where that just didn't happen? Mm. Um, that would mean that individually, uh, there was nothing left within us that wanted to fight people or control people or um, enslave people or, or take without giving. And so whenever I see something that I don't like, a system that is like, ugh, then I know that there's something inside of me that I can perhaps heal. So, mm -hmm. so it's great. It's such, being a parent is such a great example, especially like with, with control. I was like, okay, I don't really like to think of mandates. Uh, so where am I mandating my kids? Like, where am I just being like, I'm bigger. And so you do it because I'm the person who knows better. Um, and that was something that I had to, to look at a lot and sort of just appreciate and forgive and release within myself uh, so that, um, you know, I'm no longer operating from, from trying to, to control somebody else. Mm. And that I believe is, is like perhaps something we'll have to do each of us individually in turn. And then, uh, there won't be any need for mandates anymore just because like nobody's trying to control someone else, but rather mm -hmm. it's a conversation about how can we, how can we best move forwards in a, in a complex time. Right. Mm. I love that. I love that. Mm. I love how much of your work is dedicated to personal power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Derek, I, 
I could thank you so much for today's conversation, but I know it's, you know, a whole body of work that you've spent, um, like you said, from all the different aspects of all the lives you've lived. Um, even just in this lifetime, you've brought together to condense into all your offerings as well. So, and you've brought all of that with such richness here today. I want to thank you so much for your time, for doing this with us on behalf of myself and the Inspired Evolution brother, um, the audience here, wishing you the best on your way forward. Thank you so much for doing this today. All right, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, Please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.